0: This is your time to Lit Up with Angela Breidenbach. Lit Up is lighting up the literary world with book reviews, in-depth expert interviews, and ideas for you to design a lucrative writing career. Expand your imagination to enhance your life. Lit Up is always family friendly, always good for your heart. Now here is your host to Lit Up, Angela Breidenbach.
1: Hi everybody, this is Angela Breidenbach and I'm so glad you could be with me because I get to interview today with my friend Danica Favorite and we've known each other for a long time but it's been such a pleasure because I've had the chance to get to know her over many many years at different conferences and she's a really fun person by the way on Facebook because she calls herself. A self-professed crazy chicken lady. <laughs> she loves the adventure of living a creative life. She and her family recently moved into their dream home in the mountains above Denver, Colorado which is, by the way, where I went to school. Danica loves to explore the depths of human nature and follow people on the journey to happily ever after. Though the journey is often bumpy, those bumps are what refine imperfect characters as they live the life God created for them. Oops, that just spoiled the ending of all Danica's stories. Then again, getting there is all the fun. Welcome, Danica.
2: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today.
1: You've got to explain the crazy chicken lady thing for our listeners because I know, but they have no idea what I'm talking about.
2: Well, you know, a few years ago when we were still living in Denver and um, backyard chickens were becoming really popular. And so I decided that I was going to have my own little flock of backyard chickens and Part of Denver where we lived at the time, it was not legal to have them, so I worked with people to help change the law, and so the law got changed, and I got these great little chickens to live in my backyard, and they were like the family pets. Hold on a second. um, You
1: changed the law so you could own chickens?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, it wasn't just me. Like There was a whole group of people, and I just kind of joined in with that group.
1: Um, You're kidding! I mean, that, I, no. that's not something I would have expected anybody to do. How did that come uh, about? You know,
2: um, I was just doing a lot of research and reading about chickens and backyard chickens and how useful and wonderful they were. And I had a good friend, um, Shelly Adina, who uh-huh. is also a Christian author, and she I know has in her nice. yard in California. Uh huh. And she just made me fall in love with her chickens. So I really wanted them. But then I found out they were illegal to have backyard <laughs> chickens where I lived.
1: And and that, all the that, communities... That's hilarious. Chickens being illegal. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um, and so I researched all the communities around us and it was legal everywhere. Literally, if I had moved a block in either direction, I could have legally had chickens. So I kind You're of thought it was me. ridiculous. And so I started researching the laws and found where people were working to change the laws in our particular area. So I joined that group to get the laws changed because, you know, obviously I understand why people in suburbia would not want a rooster crowing at all hours of the day. But this is true. to have just a few, to have a few hens, what's wrong with that, right? So, Um, I, I did a lot of research into the legalities of it and the benefits and also what might be some potential pitfalls that would make people uncomfortable with having chickens and then worked on finding ways to answer those objections. So yeah, I just, I did that. And then once the laws got changed and we had our little backyard flock for, I think about a year, then we Moved up to the mountains where I'm zoned to have whatever I want. So I have more chickens than I actually know the number of. And I have more, I I, I have more chickens now than I even can count. Um, I've lost count. And we have roosters and, and I'm not running like a, a large scale horrible chicken thing. My chickens are all live pretty nice lives where I live, but, um, we just had, we, we, we had a hen who, who gets broody and likes to hatch eggs and so we keep getting babies and things and so I've, I've lost <laughs> track.
1: Now do all of your chickens have names?
2: They used to, but now they don't because we've sort of, like I said, we've lost track with all the babies hatching, but also when we first got chickens, we deliberately got chickens that were all different breeds so we could name them and tell them apart. Uh-huh. And now that they've started breeding and having babies of their own, they all look alike, and I can't tell them apart.
1: So I <laughs> don't—I haven't named those. Which makes no. Me I think that's really mom, cool, but... though. So it, it became kind of a hobby that has has blossomed or, or expanded. And uh, have it you put has. this into any of it's, your books?
2: I so I, I did put it into one of my books. I'm really excited. Uh, my book that is coming out in February from Love Inspired Historical. Uh huh. I have a rooster who plays a very important role as a secondary character, <laughs> and um, it is completely based off of a true story in my own home with our very own mean rooster. Oh,
1: that's so, awesome! What's the title of yeah. that book?
2: Um. It is called the Reluctant Lawman. The
1: the Reluctant Lawman, L A W M A N. Yes. Okay, yes. and is it on pre-order yet, so people can get it? Um,
2: it is not quite yet up on pre-order, but it will be very soon. So I would okay. start looking for it. Um, I've got a book coming out in October with Love Inspired Historical called Mistletoe Mommy.
1: And yeah, we're going to talk about on that one in this show. But I just, you know, uh, any of your other books that like this one, this one sounds just completely humorous and fun and like we're going to have a great time with that book.
2: I had the best time writing it. And um, like like I said, it's I I had to really do something fun with my evil mean rooster because we do we have this evil rooster now that we're allowed to have roosters and uh, everyone is terrified of him.
1: Oh, so he sounds like he might be perfect for chicken dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, that's actually what happens in the story is that the um <laughs> aunt says, "Okay, he'll make perfect chicken dinner." And the little girl decides, "No, I'm going to save his life." So it's a total Charlotte's Web moment.
1: Oh, because she has that to save the life. So, okay. Um, yeah. So, my so now that you're really up in, in the mountains, me and what's yes.
2: that? I said my chickens really do give me the story ideas.
1: <laughs> well, that's I have Muse the feline, and he he gives me a lot of uh, comedy ideas. I, I'm not allowed to right, call him a cat; right. he'll hiss at me. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, he's. Uh, we'll have to do a story with him, and then he'll have. We have two miniature horses, and um, I'd like to put them. I have a story idea started for them, but um, there's been all these others first. You know, just kind of like oh, what's going on with fun. you. Now, I have right, a question exactly. for you. You had you had a ton of stories already written before you got published. Is that the case? Yes. Yes, I did. And so has that been helping you in your career because a lot of those stories are, um, were able to come out and be published and give you time, you know, as you're continuing to write? Um, so
2: far, it hasn't. And the reason is because one of the things that I learned once I became published is that the reason those stories didn't sell was because of some story structure issues that I had. Mm-hmm. And so I have to go back and restructure some of them in order to make them work. And so I haven't really done anything with them yet because I have been publishing so much and writing so fast that I just haven't had time. So is, How many with, books have you got
1: published spring. so far now?
2: So I have... Um, my seventh book is coming out in October. Number eight is in February. And then I have about five indie stories that are out that are just um, little novellas and one novel. So um, oh,
1: it's that's a lot. awesome. Yeah, Danica. So
2: I've just would you, been
1: writing a lot. That is awesome. Would you tell us where we can find you online and spell your last name for us?
2: So I'm at danicafavorite.com, and it's favorite, like favorite color, or in your case, it should be favorite author, (laughs) And, (laughs) and I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as Danica Favorite as well, so.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And when we come back in the next segment, we're going to get into the main reason that I asked my friend Danica to come on Lit Up, and that is because she was sharing information for authors on Kindle notes and highlights for promoting and connecting with readers and I thought that was really really cool. So if you're an author, you're going to want to learn what Danica has to share with us. If you're a reader, you're going to want to learn how you can connect with your favorite authors through noting and highlighting in their books in the Kindle. And I think that is such a fascinating and fun topic. And a little bit later in the show we're going to get to her next book coming out called Mistletoe Mommy and we'll learn a little bit more about Danica and more of her hobbies and friends and things that she likes to do. But right now, we're going to go into the break and then come back with kindle notes and highlights for promoting and connecting with readers this is angela breidenbach you're here with us on lit up with my friend danica favorite d-a-n-i-c-a f-a-v-o-r-i-t-e and my name is angela breidenbach b-r-e-i-d-e-n-b-a-c-h and you can find me at angela or on any social media at Ange Breidenbach, and we both belong to fun groups called Romance Writers of America. Danica, you still belong to ACFW, correct? Um, actually, I don't. Um... Oh, I don't either. That's okay. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's fine. And we're having a good time getting to know each other all over again. So we'll see you right after this break.
0: Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this.
3: Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginat.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into if you enjoy traveling and food and family all with an Italian flair, then you can live la bella vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on togynet.com.
4: Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends ideas and inspirations her guests include quilt pattern designers authors quilt shop owners and our editors all quilters just like you call in with your questions get quilting tips from industry experts learn about free patterns hear behind the scenes stories from our magazines american patchwork and quilting quilt sampler and quilts and more get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything.
0: We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach.
1: Well, hi there. We're back with my friend Danica, favorite, and I'm excited to learn from her what she has learned and what she's been sharing about Kindle notes and highlights from promoting and connecting with readers. So, readers, listen up. You're going to get to learn how you can share your thoughts with your favorite authors in the books that you're reading. And, authors, listen up because you're going to learn a new way to connect with your readers. So, Danica, where did you learn about Kindle notes and highlights that would actually work for promoting and and connecting like this?
2: So um, I also work for Harlequin as a social media coordinator, mm-hmm. and we have a special relationship with Goodreads, and one of the folks at Goodreads that we work with came to me and said, hey, we're doing this beta program with Kindle notes and highlights. Would you be interested in testing it for us? And so I said, of course. And so that is really where it got started. It is still in beta, but if you are listening as an author and you're like, wow, I really want to get involved with this, uh, please go in, into uh, Goodreads and um, there's a contact for the author to be able to talk to Goodreads and, and just send them an email and say, hey, I heard about this program and I definitely want to be part of it.
1: Oh, that's really, really um, cool. So any author, do or do they need to be a Harlequin author?
2: I believe it's any author. So um, you just really have to, like I said, reach out to them to ask to be a part of it because they haven't fully rolled it out yet, just to make sure that there aren't any bugs or anything like that, you you know. um, But, yes, any author can do it. You just have to get in touch with Goodreads. And like I said the contact is on Goodreads when you go into your author portal where you're able to contact Goodreads through your author portal you just do, you just contact them through that and let them know you're interested in, in it.
1: And I, you know I'm surprised that it's Goodreads because it's Kindle but Amazon actually owns Goodreads so um how, I'm man I would love to know the background of how that all got going. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't even know, to be honest. I just know that they um, have that that relationship. And so Goodreads and Amazon work pretty closely together just to help make it a more cohesive experience for the reader Mm -hmm. and um, give the readers that opportunity to have um, the chance to get a deeper experience when they are, reading their books and enjoying their books. So it's really pretty
1: exciting. So how does it work on, on the noting and highlighting side? What, what do people actually do? How do you see what's going on?
2: So what happens is that when you um, make a note You, um, what happens is when you make a note and you're part of the program, you can see the different notes that have been noted on a book. Uh Uh-huh. And so then what happens is as the author, you can take a look at what people have highlighted on your book. And as you take a look, you can then choose to publish those highlights and those notes uh-huh. on your on your Goodreads page. Sorry, I said Kindle, and I meant Goodreads page. So what happens is you can take a look. Okay, these are the notes and highlights. Awesome. These are ones that I want the readers to really pay attention to. And so as a reader then, when a reader goes to look at your Kindle page – then the um, reader can then see these selected notes and highlights that you have chosen to share. So So they don't see it necessarily when
1: they're reading their own Kindle. They see it on the Goodreads uh, page? Correct. I'm confused there. They see it on the
2: Goodreads page. Um, Yes, they see it on the Goodreads page. Now, anyone who makes notes and highlights in Goodreads, if you have it I mean in, in Kindle, if you have the notes and highlights feature selected in your Kindle, you uh-huh. will get to see the notes and highlights that people make anyway when you're reading it on oh. Kindle. So what this all this does is this just pushes it through to your Goodreads profile on your book, so that people can then um, take a look and see what is of interest to them.
1: Wow! So this is similar to well, it's maybe it's a more educated because you're actually in the book when it's happening. So it's almost, I don't know if you'd say more educated, but more informational. That's what I want to say. More informational because you're seeing the thoughts of the person as they're reading the story. So it's kind of like getting a review or, you know, what somebody's thinking about that section of your, of your book on Kindle.
2: So that's, that's already existing with the Kindle notes and highlights. So that which is so it's funny
1: to me because I have a Kindle, but I have that turned off. I never I didn't yeah, think about that yeah. being an something that was useful. I thought it would be yeah, oh this is going to all clutter up my page and I won't be able to read my book.
2: Exactly. And certainly that's how I've always experienced Kindle, but it's really neat because as an author, what you can do then is you can make little comments of your own. To say, hey, I cried when I wrote the scene, or this is my favorite scene of the book, or wow. fun fact: while researching this scene, I was actually in this place, something like that. So that's something you can already do with Kindle Notes and highlights. But that, but what happens, like I said, through this Goodreads thing. Is then you can also push those through to your Goodreads page so that when readers are curious about your book, curious about, hmm, should I pick up this book or not, they can see all the things that have been highlighted that might be interesting to them to help them make a better decision about whether or not to pick up your book.
1: That is so cool. So because you can go into, well, wait now, on the look inside, uh, you uh-huh. know how you go to Amazon or whatever? Do do those kinds of things show on the look inside? No, no, it will not
2: okay. show up. That that will not show up on the Amazon page. That will those notes and things they just show up in the Kindle book once you've purchased the book.
1: Okay, and so, so when you're pushing does, it through to Goodreads, you're taking it from the purchased book and then pushing it to the Goodreads page so people can read it publicly before they buy the book. Correct. Got it.
2: That's really kind of cool. It is. It's really exciting. And the other thing, too, as an author, what you can do then is if you have a reader highlighting a favorite quote, you can then take that quote that's highlighted that has resonated with readers, and then you can share that as promotion for your book.
1: That's really exciting as an author. Okay. Right. So – as an author, do I need to then buy my own Kindle book, my own book on Kindle to do this? Or is there, how, how do we do this? What's the, yeah. Do you understand what I'm asking? <laughs> right,
2: right. You do have to have a Kindle version of your book that is connected to Amazon.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I would say, yes, you would probably have to buy your own book on Kindle because that's the only way the Kindle notes and highlights are going to work and show up. But okay. as you know, it's not very expensive to buy your own, buy one copy of your own book. Via no, Kindle. one
1: copy is just fine, you know? And, and if it happens to be that you're doing a free giveaway during the promotion, re- you know, for the release of that book, well then right, it's free. Right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. That's one of the things I think has been, it can be used really, really smart by, Authors is uh, to be able to choose the days that they want to have their book free if they're in the KDP Select, and especially mm-hmm. if they, you know, want people to read and comment, you know, they can actually send that information out there. Hey, can we have a conversation via Kindle and Goodreads uh, during these dates? And then you might right. even be able to right. make that a bigger. Um, promotion opportunity because you have advertised that this is when you're going to be making your notes. Mm -hmm. And
2: the nice thing is, is that the notes aren't time dependent. So I went through as part of this test group for Goodreads and made notes on one of my books and they're still on my Goodreads page. So those are going to be there. Those will be there forever unless I go and intentionally delete them.
1: Now, do they roll down the page like they do on other social media?
2: You know, that's a good question. I haven't, I don't think I have enough highlights to be able to tell that. Um, But they they are all on the book page, so you
1: can see them all. Just on that specific book, so they're not showing up on your profile um, on the news feed.
2: They show up on the news feed, but not – I'm trying to explain it. I think probably it would be better just to go look at it and see how it shows mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so if
1: we go to find you on Goodreads under Danica Favorite, um, can you give us a few titles that you've actually done this with so people can see how it works?
2: I did it on Rocky Mountain Dreams. So I would Rocky take a Mountain look at Rocky Dreams. Mountain
1: Dreams okay. mm-hmm. and see and- – definitely the kindle version so i'm going to put that in our show notes so that people can um, find that one is there any other books that you've done that with
2: you know i'm trying to remember because i think i did a couple of different books and i can't remember which ones they were i'm so sorry
1: well, maybe what we'll ask Danica to do is send us a little note, really quick, in the next couple of days, and we'll get on show notes for our listeners if there are any other Kindle books besides Rocky Mountain Dreams. And in 30 seconds, can you tell us what Rocky Mountain Dreams is about?
2: Rocky Mountain Dreams is about a man who has come to Leadville, Colorado, during the gold, uh, sorry during the silver mining boom. To Mm -hmm. find his missing father, and he finds his father has passed away and is now in search of his father's lost mine, and he gets the assistance of the pastor's daughter in trying to find this lost silver mine while he is Mm -hmm. caring for an illegitimate sister he didn't know about until he arrived in Mudville.
1: Oh, I love it. A treasure hunt with a twist. So that's Rocky mm-hmm. Mountain Dreams where we can see Kindle book notes and highlights on Goodreads. So I'm going to, uh, Danica, you Danica Favorite on Goodreads as well. We're going to go into our next yeah. break and we'll be back right after this with Danica Favorite, danicafavorite.com. Okay. And this is
0: Angela Breidenbach. Stay right where you are. There's more Lit Up right after this.
4: Have you heard?
3: For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Togenet.com.
0: We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach.
1: Hi everybody and welcome back to Lit Up. And my friend Danica Favorite has been sharing with us in the last segment all about Kindle notes and highlights. But now we have learned that she is working on books 7, 8, 9 and 10 in her career and I'm really excited for her because I knew her when she and I were both still trying to get published and now we both are and it's so much fun to be able to talk to someone who has gone through the trenches in the waiting with me. Um So Danica, I'd like to hear a little bit about your um, journey toward publication and your, you know, what you do with Harlequin and that kind of a thing. So I think that's a fascinating part of our careers. So, and that will help other people as they're listening. So in the, In the whole world of being a creative, being a mom, being a crazy chicken lady, and working for Harlequin, um, how did you actually get your journey toward publication started?
2: So my journey has been very, very long, and so my encouragement to people who are feeling like it has taken them forever, don't lose hope, because certainly my journey took me a long time. I started writing, I had a baby. I was a stay-at-home mom with a baby, which I thought was my dream. And I don't know if any of you have been home alone with babies, but they don't (laughs) do anything all day. And I was kind of going (laughs) crazy because I was the only one of my friends who was a stay-at-home mom. And so I had no interaction with other human beings besides this baby. And I loved her and I enjoyed being with her, but I just felt like there was something else I should be doing. And I had always wanted to write and be a writer, but growing up, I knew an author and they were extremely poor. And I really felt like that struggle to be an author took away from this person's family. And so I didn't want to ever do that. I I just decided that I was going to be an author someday because I always wanted to write a book. But Mm -hmm. I probably would do it when I retired, you know, like when I didn't really need the money and it didn't matter if I made nothing on a book ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so here I am as a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, you know, I don't have anything else to do. Why don't I go ahead and write the book? And it doesn't matter if I sell it or not. I'm just going to write the book. And so that is... where discovered Harlequin's online community at harlequin.com and I got really active there and that's when I started to write and then after a while of being active in the community Harlequin invited me to come on as one of their paid hosts and all the time I'm still writing and so I started working for Harlequin and that job has evolved from just Part time a few hours a week to now I work for them full time assisting with their social media. Wow. And like, like I said, I have been all along writing and finally after about 12 years of writing, I sold my first book. And I think what was interesting to me is that probably for about uh, maybe nine years of those 12 years it took me to sell my first book. I was getting really good rejections. I was getting, we love your voice, we love your writing. We just, there's something wrong and we don't know what it is.
1: You and know, so I think it's good. fascinating that people think about the idea of what a what a rejection is and uh you and i have both used that hey that was really good or i've used that was a great rejection and how often do we think about rejections being good or being great but they really are because there's a difference between a good rejection and a bad rejection why did you think yours were good
2: um i think they were good because they were very positive and affirming about my skill as a writer Um, Mm -hmm. I've never, except maybe with a couple early rejections, I've never been told, wow, this is really bad writing. I've always gotten the affirmation that I'm a really good writer and I have great ideas and I have great stories. And so that's a place where I've always had the confidence that I knew I could do it.
1: Well, and And I think it's important too that people realize that in those good rejections or those great rejections, and there are levels of rejection, but the, not just the confidence, I think that's fabulous, I really do. But I'll bet you got some nice feedback, meaning, hey, if you do this or learn that, did you, did you get any of those kind of comments?
2: So it's really interesting because I do think that you're absolutely right that the feedback is so important. And the mm-hmm. biggest mistake I see in, in other authors is that they get that feedback and they choose not to listen to it. Yes. And I think that has really slowed down a lot of careers. In my case, I actually had the opportunity to sit down with one of the editors who had rejected a couple of my books. And we sat down in a face-to-face conversation at a conference. And I just told her flat out, I said, look, you tell me what I need to fix. What do I need to learn? And I will do it. I'm willing to do what it takes to get my books to the next level I just need that help from you.
1: I and think it takes a really heart it, like that.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that because I think too many authors get stuck in their own pride and in their own, no, I'm an artist. This is my creative mm-hmm. thing. Don't mess with my creativity. And I think that's great if that's how you feel. But you also have to understand that you're producing a commercial product. And. Right. At some level, you have to produce a quality product that people are going to willi- going to be willing to purchase.
1: And there's parameters so, in any job. And writing is absolutely. a job if you want it to be a career, absolutely. if you want it to be a moneymaker, if you want it to be lucrative. Like the whole reason right. Lit Up is here is to help creatives get lucrative about what they're doing. Right. And if absolutely. you think if you that you can walk artist, into an 8-to-5 an job and tell them what you're going to do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's a whole mindset of, oh, wait a minute. You know, yes, I'm an artist. Yes, I'm creating, but there are rules in the world for different things. And if I understand those rules, if I understand how I'm going to do this or what the expectation is, when you sign a contract, you have just been hired to write a book And you have to meet their standards for their company. And if you're going to do it self-published, that's totally up to you. And I do like you do. I do both. I'm hybrid. But I understand the rules for it so that I, like you, want to produce a quality product.
2: Right, exactly. And the truth is that even though I think I – am a good writer, and I always have been, and I know a lot about good writing, working with my editor and following her suggestions, even when I maybe have had a different idea of what I wanted to do, what I found is that it's made me a better writer, mm-hmm. and I absolutely would not trade that experience for anything, and I'm really grateful because I think sometimes we get so close to our own work that we can't see the forest for the trees. And Mm -hmm. so when somebody comes at us and says, well, you need to work on this, we're like, no, I have a great story. Well, you do. But there are still ways to make it better. And I really appreciate being able to work with professionals who help me improve what I do.
1: I think it's um, important, too, to listen to the questions that they're having because an editor isn't out there just to say, oh, I didn't like this, you know, there's, I've had a, I have a couple of different editors I just adore because they will let me know when what I wrote didn't click with them or they didn't understand it. And especially like I use, um, Swedish and Scottish and, you know, a little bit of outside of American culture in some of my stories. And if I'm going to share that story with someone else, it has to translate. And, it, and right. even in English, English to English has to translate because there's different phrases and things that are from different eras, but there's also mm-hmm. different catchphrases that we use today that, or that might've been used 50 or hundred years ago that we don't use today that don't make sense to the modern reader or vice versa. And so it's been fabulous for me to have an editor say, I didn't get that. And then make me work harder, like you said, to make that make more sense to the reader, describe it differently, use a different um, word, something like that. I think it's crucial.
2: Right. But, you know, they even have a good sense in terms of marketing and what they have seen from their marketing experience that readers will respond to. As authors, Mm -hmm. we think, oh, this story really resonates with me. This idea resonates with me, and it resonates with my friends. But we have such a small view of the entire readership that's out there Mm -hmm. and what will work for them and what will be marketable and what will be sellable. And honestly, if it's going to sell more books, I'm willing to give up some of that creative control, if you will, to... Mm -hmm. Reach a wider audience, and I can do that just if they say, "Hey, change a word or don't use this word," or, "Hey, let's think of a different way to convey this idea, I'm all for that because I think ultimately that's what our goal as a professional author is, and that is to get our book in the hands of as many readers as possible.
1: Oh, I just thought of a way to use Kindle Notes and highlights. This could be where you can go back in and say, "Hey, I was going to write it this way, but my editor mm-hmm. helped me to write it this way. you know, and I mean, you could have some really fun conversations through notes and highlights with readers that way, understanding right, you know how people think and what you mm-hmm. were thinking at the time. That's really a cool idea
2: yeah, yeah so i'm I'm really excited about that because um. I think that there are a lot of different possibilities that you can use and just really engage with the readers in a way that is very personal and very special that doesn't have to take a lot of time.
1: Now, if you want to connect with Danica and learn more about her and her books, you can find her at danicafavorite.com. And you can also follow her on Twitter at favorite. And she's on Facebook at Danica Favorite Author. And it's spelled F-A-V-O-R-I-T-E, the Americanized version of your favorite author. And my name is Angela Breidenbach. And you can find me at AngelaBreidenbach.com or you can follow me on any of my social media at Ange, A-N-G, Breidenbach, B-R-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H. And when we come back, we're going to hear about Danica's book that's coming out in October called Mistletoe Mommy. So stick with us. See you in a second.
0: Stay right where you are. There's more lit up right after this. It's the fitness minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
1: Walking is one of the easiest ways to stay fit. A long-term study published by the American Heart Association indicates that women who walk two or more hours per week have a much lower risk of stroke than women who don't walk for exercise. Researchers found that walking for two or more hours per week resulted in a 30% lower risk of stroke. Walking at a brisk pace for three miles per hour or faster translates to a 37% lower risk of stroke. Remember that being active is essential to promoting cardiovascular health, and walking is a simple way of achieving physical exercise. So put on those athletic shoes and sunscreen and head outside for an exhilarating and beneficial walk. For the Fitness Minute,
2: I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our
1: website at annettehammond.com.
3: Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Togenet.com.
0: We're glad you're back for more Lit Up. Now here's your host, Angela Breidenbach. Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. AnnikaFavorite.com. D-A-N-I-C-A-F-A-V-O-R-I-T-E.com. And we're going to talk about her newest book coming out in October 2017, in case you're listening in the future, called Mistletoe Mommy. And I'm excited to hear about her book. We both have books coming out in October, Danica. Did you know that?
2: I didn't. I have kind of been in a huge writing cave because I've got so many projects that I'm trying to get finished up in the next month that I have not paid attention to anything anyone else is doing. So I apologize.
1: No, 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 no need to worry about that. I've been in a cave because we're remodeling my house. <laughs> oh, and yes, it yes. We are also crazy. in the middle of that. So um, my book coming out in October is called Captive Brides. And in it is my novella, His Indentured Bride. And that one I'm I'm pretty excited about because I got to do some research into my own family history and found out when my three-times great-grandfather died in the American Revolution that it was October 12th. And to find out in my book is coming out in October, it's kind of like a memorial or a celebration of, of his service in the American revolution. It's really, really cool. I'm just, it's wow, kind of really cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. now. Is mistletoe mommy. Is that a oh. contemporary or historical?
2: So it is another historical it's set in Leadville, Colorado during the silver mining boom.
1: I love it. So, one of my it favorite characters uh, of, of all time was a real person, of course, and it was Molly Brown. And Leadville and the oh, Silver nice. was a huge, huge thing. So I am right. excited to read Mistletoe Mommy because it's that same type of a, of a time frame as, as when Leadville was booming for, for Molly Brown. Now, go ahead. Tell me more.
2: So um, Mistletoe Mommy, it takes place, like I said, during that silver boom. And, um, it is about a woman who decides to become a mail order bride Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and goes to a mail order bride agency.
1: There were agencies for mail order brides?
2: There were, there were. Um, oh, I thought they just posted
1: it in the newspaper that they, that they wanted a mail-order bride and somebody answered, I did not know there were agencies.
2: Yes. So um, what she ended up doing is um, she went, she is on the run hiding from some very bad guys. And so she thought, you know, I'm going to become a mail-order bride. So that way the bad guys can't find me. And she goes to the agency and there is a, Man there looking for a mail-order bride for his children. Basically, he just needs a mother to his children. He doesn't want to fall in love. He doesn't want – he just wants a marriage in name only because mm-hmm. he needs someone to help him care for his children. And the mail-order bride agency turns him down because she's like, no, you know, you need to have – love. What the heck? I'm not going to, I, you know, if you want, you need a housekeeper or a nanny, you don't need a wife. And this, my heroine says, Hey, you know what? I'll do it. And so she comes to, and, and she's fine with the idea of marrying someone without love because she does not, she, because of the situation she's running from.
1: She basically wants safety, and he basically wants stability.
2: Exactly. And so really, to them, it's the perfect trade-off. Only what they find is that as they are entering the Christmas season, and the hero is dealing with some painful memories of his late wife, who he dearly loved, Mm -hmm. and overcoming that heartbreak, um... And really being able to, being forced to confront the pain, especially as he's dealing with his children, and it's Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so my heroine is able to help them and be there for them, and obviously over the course of the book, they fall in love, but it is a difficult journey, and all of the things that my heroine was trying to hide from come and her past comes back to haunt her as it always does because we can never really run and hide from our past there's a time when the past does catch up to us and so they all end up having to find a solution and work together to make it all happen
1: so now you where did she come from? She's coming to Leadville or she's is she back east? Where did she start?
2: So what happened is she comes from Saint Louis and she went mm-hmm. to Denver. The Mail Order Bride Agency was in Denver. And mm-hmm. so she went to Denver and he came to Denver to look for a bride. So um and then they married and went back to Leadville.
1: Now, did you have to do a lot of research um, about Leadville and silver and all that in order to write this book?
2: Not specifically for this book. So this is my seventh book set in Leadville Mm -hmm. during the silver mining boom. Nice. So I know a lot about Leadville. In fact, it's, it was kind of funny. I went on one of the tours of one of the historic homes there and the tour guide Bless his little heart. He was this cute little high school boy who knew absolutely nothing, and his historical facts were completely wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did you do?
2: (laughs) I um, very politely would ask him questions, and when I realized he was so clueless and wasn't really interested in knowing what was the truth, I just bit my tongue, and I looked through the house at all the historical details and didn't listen to what he had to say. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, now see so, you could go volunteer and be a docent there. You could just take over for him
2: <laughs> I could I really could um, my husband's family when they came to America, they settled in Leadville mm-hmm. and this was at this was in the eighteen nineties and nice. so my husband's family history really is steeped in Leadville, and even though he doesn't have any living family members there anymore, his a great aunt, when she passed away, left her house to her son and he decided to keep it as a family home. So we actually go up to Bloodville all the time and wow. we get to stay in this house for free. And so I have been to all of the sites, all of the
1: museums. I've read all the books. And, wow. Um, what so a perfect place, really, though, to really set yeah, a lot so of really your stories. For me, has
2: been a lot by osmosis and then Obviously, when there are specific facts I need to look up, then Mm -hmm. I will go and research the specific facts. But it really is pretty easy in terms of, since I already know the information, it's just more verifying facts, verifying details.
1: Wow. That is really, really cool. So uh, what year is this particular story, Mistletoe Mommy, set um, it is set in 1885. 1885. That's awesome. And uh, where in the where in the world did your husband's family come from that they ended up in Leadville? They came from Slovenia. Oh wow! And okay. Slovenia and, is
2: Slovenia is full of miners, and um, it's very steeped in mining, especially during that time period. And so in Leadville, there was a very prominent Slovenian man who owned one of the big stores, mercantiles there. And Mm -hmm. so when Slovenians looking for work would want to come to America, he would sponsor them coming over. And oftentimes they would come to America, they'd get on a train, go to Leadville, and there would just be a note pinned to them with the man's name on it. And that's how many Slovenians actually came to Leadville and Colorado, um, was that mining background and that need for hard workers.
1: Okay, so coming out of this mining background and from Slovenia, um, is it okay to share what your husband does now? Because that's a very different time span, you know, and coming out Uh, of that kind of historical family job.
2: Yeah, so he is an electrician. Nice. And um, so, not a minor, but um, definitely works in the trades and is very skilled in that area.
1: No, that's really cool. My husband is a heating contractor. He owns a heating company here in in Missoula, um, and he's owned Design Air for over twenty years now. And it's really cool because people have these different intelligences, and I have a belief that they come down through us genetically because his Mm -hmm. family is very, very physically intelligent. I mean, they really can do stuff mechanically. They, they got it going on. And my family is much more creatively intelligent, meaning, you know, like telling stories Mm -hmm. and singing and, you know, dancing and acting. So, but equally together, we work out really well because I can come up with like really wild ideas, but he's the one who can help me carry them out. <laughs> right, right. Oh, funny. So we've got about two minutes left and, um, I would just love you to share whatever it is that you would like listeners to know about you, about your writing, uh, about you as a person. Go ahead.
2: Wow. I, I, Gosh, that's so broad. I don't even know what to say. Um, and uh, my dogs are kind of going crazy in the background. I thought I would sit here in the park in the shade. And unfortunately, every time someone goes by, my dogs are like, ah! Um, and they also are very featured, uh, featured very prominently on my social media. They are the Fluppies. And we nice. adopted them from a rescue. Mm-hmm. And so they are very needy dogs. They, um, unfortunately, the first year of their life was spent in a really abusive situation. So they're a little crazy, um, but they are wonderful. And I just absolutely love having them. So certainly, you know, if you follow me on social media, you're going to find a lot of dogs, a lot of chickens, a lot of hopefully, you know, pictures of my mountains, um, my house.
1: And your daughter riding horses. I've seen that, too. My
2: daughter riding horses, yes. So just really (laughs) a very active lifestyle that hopefully you'll see that reflected in my writing because um, there's just a lot of really cool things that I get to see and do because Mm -hmm. of everything that is going on in our very busy life. Um, We also are in the middle of a remodel except – it's a little bit more than a remodel. We bought a very tiny mountain home that was not big enough for our family and our family's needs. So we are
1: building an addition. Oh, and we, and we, we have to, to close here. our show at that. So follow Favorite okay. on social media. And thanks for being with us. Thank you.
0: Expand your imagination. Enhance your life. Up, we'll be back next week with another great conversation. Join us, won't you? Right here on Lit Up.